Let's bring in Mike McIntyre, co-host of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. Mike, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, Jim. I'm I'm good, and I've had so much fun talking to you this summer about Canadian tennis. But but this is next level stuff right here with what we've been seeing in New York. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, you almost want to chuckle because it's just such a happy story where she's talking, the, the, the young tennis star who just turned 19 is talking about years and years of, of work. And, and that's not to debate that, but it, make, it makes you understand the focus that this kid and her team have had since the start. I mean, this is a, a really monumental story of, of, you know, achievement in, in terms of hard work. Not that anybody gets it easily, but, but really it, it pays off here. It, and it, it, it seems to come out of nowhere. You know that old story about overnight success that, that took six to seven years to make that would be this story wouldn't it yeah but uh you know as we say like you you can't beat that many top level players by accident in succession this is not like a a weak draw that she got or or players that pulled out with injury she's beaten the best in the women's game in succession to get to this stage and i had a chuckle too when i heard her say years and years because she only just turned 19 but she has spent the better part of her life training to be a professional tennis player and, and putting that ahead of all else and making certain sacrifices. And, and Lord knows her parents have made a lot of sacrifices to, to get to this stage. And so uh, she's one of those players where it's, it's hard to believe this is happening so soon and so early, but it's also not a fluke because of the amount of time that this young woman has put into honing her craft. You know, the more you read about this, and you'll know more about this than I will, I mean, it's almost a, a real uh, organic type story um, in that, uh, you know, there are uh, tennis uh, teams that, that overanalyze and not being critical. There, there's ways to go about this, but this is a real organic father teaching the daughter and, and the way he analyzes things, the way she listens to him, the way she's able to execute what he's told her. A really nice story that way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when we think of how much, you know, we blocked out our parents when we were kids and teenagers and how much, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mom, yeah, dad, like, I got it, whatever. Uh, and this is a, a young woman that takes every word from her father and, and goes to put it in place. And it's an amazing story because he wasn't a tennis guy himself, Jorge Fernandez. He was more of a, a soccer player and soccer coach, but saw that Leila Annie had a, a, um, you know, a knack for it and decided to bring himself up to speed and learn everything he could. I mean, this is the kind of story you could make a movie out of almost, and it would be so gripping to watch. And so they've got such a close relationship after you know her first few uh, wins in New York, she would thank her coach. And it's funny because a lot of people didn't realize her coach is her father. And I think they've, been a really, they've done a really great job at separating when it's time for him to wear the, the father hat and when it's time for him to wear the coaching hat. And it, it's clearly worked out well. It's one of those successful you know, father-daughter coaching partnerships. One of my favorite parts of a post-match uh, conversation with her is the, the question that inevitably comes is, you know, how did you defeat your opponent? And we're talking about uh, two, three, and five seeds that she uh, beat, not necessarily in that order, but, but you know, you're talking about top five players that, that are seated in this event, and she went through them. Um, and, and her line would always be, I don't know. And and this really tells me that th- this is a really um, in-the-moment type player as opposed to some that are analytical or, or that have a game plan. She is, uh, I don't know if reactive is the word, but certainly in the moment when she plays, isn't she? Yeah, it's maybe a little bit of both for sure. I mean, she hasn't allowed the moment to overwhelm her. Uh, she's headed out there in each match believing that she can win and, and not just saying that as some sort of lip service, but the confidence that she has is absolutely 100% genuine, and that's allowed her to block out all of the other distractions. As we saw last night against Sabalenka, it was the number two seed that kind of crumbled under the pressure in the last game. 
where she just fell apart. And uh, Layla Annie, who at the age of 19, maybe she just doesn't know any better on some level, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. And I was trying to, to understand because Sabalink is not the first frustrated person that has been eliminated by Leila Annie Fernandez. And I think there's a point there where, where you think if you're on the other side of that net, you, you, you see a weakness and you think it's going to lead to your success. And the moment you see that, it corrects itself. And, and many times it's that shot that just finds the line. It's remarkable shot making, isn't it? Yeah, and she's had so many of those through the course of this tournament. It's uh, it's amazing because she's only five foot six. When you see her on TV or on the court, you think, well, how is this you know slight frame going to be able to handle the power of some of these top players like Osaka and Sabalenka last night? But she's not afraid of that power, and she sends it right back at her opponents. And just a great array of shot making. And uh, you know, in some ways, it reminds me of Bianca Andreescu two years ago. She's got all the shots, you know, in her toolkit as well. And even though there's some differences there for sure, Layla Annie also has a, a very varied game on the tennis court. And so if plan A isn't working, that's okay because she's got plan B and plan C as well. And, you know, one thing that's also working to her advantage, Jim, is the fact that most of these top players haven't faced her before. So they don't quite know what to expect. And I think she's also capitalizing on that element of surprise, which won't last much longer, that's for sure. Yeah, so we've got the uh, women's singles final tomorrow at 4 on TSN. You can listen to it on TSN 1050. And we've got two teenagers. One just turned 19. The other turns 19 November 13th. Uh, Layla Annie is ranked 73rd going into this event. And Emma ranked, Toronto-born, by the way, ranked 150th. I mean, that is definitely a U.S. Open, isn't it? This is the craziest final I've seen in my life, men or women's, in terms of two players I don't want to say they have no business being there because clearly they do, but two players that you never would have predicted to get anywhere near the final. And the fact that there's a Canadian connection with obviously not just Leila Annie Fernandez, but her opponent as well, who's from Toronto. Uh, you know, some might say this is kind of like a Montreal Toronto battle here. And we just had one of those a couple months ago. So um, <laughs> that's another element that I find super interesting to hear. And look, if you haven't caught any of her matches yet, if you're not a, a huge tennis fan or haven't tuned into the sport, Make sure you check it out tomorrow at 4 o'clock because you're going to be so impressed with the level that these two have brought on court and, uh, you know, maybe turn you into a tennis fan after all this. Well, it's engaging to watch. I mean, you can't take your eyes off it just because of what's at stake here. So so help us understand, Emma Raducanu, uh, you know, she has some of Leila Annie Fernandez in her, doesn't she? Yeah, neither one of them have like that one big weapon. They're not known as, as necessarily big servers or having like one huge stroke that stands out over the others. But like I said earlier, they've kind of got that, that repertoire that's really working for them. They've both taken very different routes to the final, and I'm not taking away from Radicanu has done, but Leila Annie had the far tougher path in terms of getting through all those seated players, former champions, former number one players. I mean, it's just incredible the path that she had to take. Radu Kanu has been blitzing through this draw. It has been a bit of an easier draw on, on paper in terms of who she's faced, but she went through all three qualifying matches to get into the main draw. She's won six in a row now as well without dropping a set and, uh, and lost very few games along the way as well. So she spent way less time on the court than Leila Annie Fernandez has. It's a coin toss to me. You always like to put me on the spot with my prediction. I can't even in this one because it's, it's a real coin toss. 
I, you know, I, I'm going to go with uh, Leila Annie Fernandez just because she has battled adversity in a lot of her matches. There's the, that point where we, we talked about where she comes up with the shot. I, again, not taking anything away from, from Emma, but, but she's had a pristine run. And, uh, I mean, at some point you're going to get backed into a corner, right? Well, I mean, we'll see what happens next, I think. Uh, who is, who is going to feel those nerves more if they step out on the court? It's, it's one thing to go through these successive rounds. It's another when you know you're playing for that trophy in the, in the New York, you know, U.S. Open finals. So who's going to handle the nerves better? So far, they've both been fantastic on that front, but maybe one gives just a little bit more than the other. Clearly, I want to put my support behind Leila Annie. I, you know, we've been talking to her on Matchpoint Canada for years, seen her come up. She's, uh, she's always been willing to take the time to speak with us, and, and we really appreciate that. And you know, I'm a Montrealer myself, I have to admit, and a Habs fan, so I'd like to see Montreal win a final at uh, some point this summer. <laughs> we wish you well, Mike. Unfortunately, we have to continue on. Um, <laughs> Felix Ojeali-Yassim against uh, Medvedev. Uh, early it, it could start would be three today. That's number 12 against number two. Uh, and Felix has responded to everything so far. This is a real test, though, isn't it? Yeah, there's more Canadian tennis players to talk about. I almost forgot. Um, yeah, Felix is, is also up against the number two seed like Layla Annie was last night. So hopefully he can draw some inspiration from that one. Uh, they've only played each other once before, Jim. That was three years ago in Toronto at the National Bank Open when both players had yet to really break out on the scene. Uh, that one was won in a third set tiebreak by Medvedev. So I'm expecting it's going to be a, a pretty good battle. Medvedev has been flying through the tournament, though, and and he's come a long way in the last couple of years. You can tell that beyond the big three of Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal, he's definitely one of those guys that people are expecting to win Grand Slams. But Felix is no slouch either. This kid has been a highly touted prospect for Canadian tennis since he was a 12, 13 years old. Um, and, and he's been playing terrific. So, again, I'm expecting a really good battle between the two. And regardless of what happens, what a terrific week for Canadian tennis players and for the sport in, in our country here. Oh, it's it's been a great ride, no question about that. I I think that uh, you know there, there's a lot of people that might have been not even interested in, in tennis that are watching this and going, wow, look at look at how proud we can be of these athletes, and it just continues a great athletic achievement storyline that really goes back to the Olympics, um, and and you know some of this stuff is unexpected, but but certainly very joyful. Uh, let's just get back to Felix for a second. So uh, if he is to survive that and and, and push through, and, and he certainly has a really good shot at it. Uh, uh, then you're looking at Djokovic and, and Zverev, uh, one against four, and Djokovic uh, has shown no dent in his game at all in this tournament, has he? Yeah, Djokovic hasn't shown a dent in his game in, in quite some time in terms of playing at the Grand Slams, Jim. Of course, he's won all three so far this year, which is just such a remarkable achievement. Like, I want to put this into a context that other sports fans can understand. If you win all four majors in a year, I mean, that's the equivalent in any other sport of, of, of a dynasty, of winning a championship for multiple years, um, which is so hard to do. And, and when you're an individual and every tournament you're going in against 127 other players, the fact that he's won the Aussie Open, the French Open, and Wimbledon, all on different surfaces too, and now has the chance to win the U.S. Open, which would make him the first man since Rod Laver 52 years ago to hold all four in one calendar year, this is one of those remarkable sporting events that we may never see again. It's certainly a thrill, and, and the, the best two chapters or maybe three chapters are, are left in this story, and, and we'll cover it, of course, extensively on TSN. Mike, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Jim. Thanks so much. Enjoy the, week, the weekend.